You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're uh, continuing on our teaching. Anybody know what? Holy Spirit. Now, um, let's just take a quick informal survey real quick. All right. How many of you... um, Think back to tradition, experiences, and things in your life. How many of you, based on something you've heard, something you've experienced, something you were raised in, or whatever, have had some cause for discomfort along the way, somewhere along the way, concerning the Holy Spirit? Come on, go ahead. Be honest. Be relaxed in this place. Okay. I have. Okay. Um, How many of you grew up in just an absolute, wonderful, perfect relationship? Uh... And representation of the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Some tentative ones, okay? How many of you have no idea who the Holy Spirit is? No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, how many of you have had a pretty healthy, semi-balanced, you know? All right, good deal. All right, anything of God, anything in life that is powerful and potentially wonderful and I'll repeat this to you by way of review. Um, man has a tendency to overdo or and to go overboard or to not go at all. And so we end up with wonderful, powerful things in one ditch or another. And what we're trying to do, we're on a truth quest to really get the balance of the word of God to go with Scripture, which is our final authority, uh, so that we are very clear so that we can have uh, more and more of the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives personally and more and more of the fullness and freedom of the Holy Spirit in our gatherings corporately. And I feel that both of those are essential. Now, as we've looked, um, and, and how many of you would be willing to, if we see it clearly in Scripture, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Scripture. Amen. Amen. How many of you will go with Scripture? All right. All right, and we're going to do our very best to just show Scripture and take our time with some things on this. Now, I've, I've made this statement uh, at the beginning of each week on this. If you had never been to church, if you had never watched Christian television or talked to somebody else about the Holy Spirit, and all that you had ever done was read the Bible, Old and New Testament, and that's all you knew of the Holy Spirit, you would have incredible expectations, eager expectations for the Holy Spirit to work and to move, would you not? And, and that's where we kind of want to get is get all the stuff out of the way. Because, again, man has a tendency to go overboard or not go at all. And let's get out of those ditches and let's get up in the road. And um, uh, there is such benefit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's just an amazing thing. He will even help you to smile. That was your cue. Okay. All right. Good deal. Um. The first week I, sh- I shared this and I went back and copied this over and added it to my notes tonight. If I were the enemy, and I'm not, but if I were the enemy and wanted to hinder and limit God's kingdom, his people, and his plans, one of my main strategies would be to get people to ignore the Holy Spirit, to be ignorant of the Holy Spirit, to scare people away from the Holy Spirit, so that they resist the Holy Spirit or to be confused about the Holy Spirit. That would be one of the main strategies 
if I were the enemy. And you know what? That is one of the main strategies of the enemy is to get us all in a dither about the Holy Spirit. And so the best way to clear up any of these things is to come back again and see the truth and the light of Scripture. Now, one, uh, one thing we've, we've got to remember is that you have 168 hours during the week, if you'll recall. I hope you're using them well. And maybe you've lost a few. And maybe you've wasted a couple. Uh, more wasting than losting or losing. Okay. And uh, it's like one guy told me, he said, I'm on a 30-day diet. And so far I've lost 20 days. You know. Um, but uh, where was I? I got lost. Okay. You have that 168 hours. Um, maybe two or three of those get spent in church. And so my point with that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not like some people have thought that this is God's house and God lives here. And when you leave, he stays. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And one of the biggest problems that you have in life could be addressed with this. And Paul brought this up with severe problems with the church at Corinth. He said, do you know what your problem is? This is my paraphrase. Do you know what your problem is? Do you know why you're having this kind of mess and this kind of behaviors? Because you don't know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God's Spirit lives in you. And that's not just an awareness of residency. That's an awareness of the power and the potency of just how powerful and helpful the Holy Spirit would be on the inside. Amen. Amen. Now, let's, uh, we've been looking here. The, the work of the Holy Spirit, his main work is not in the gatherings. Of course it is in their gatherings. But can, look at your life. That is not the bulk of your life. And he's with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So it's that other 165, 166 hours of the week. That is the main work of the Holy Spirit is in your personal life. And see, if you're not cultivating that, if you're not developing that daily, day in and day out, round the clock relationship and allowing him to work inside of you during all those times, then you're going to be living like the world. And you're going to be living uh, defeated and confused and very frustrated and without confidence and without joy and a whole lot of other things that God would help you with by the Holy Spirit. So the first uh, tack that, uh, track that I'm taking concerning the Holy Spirit is what does he do? How does he help us on a personal level day in and day out as we go through our 168 hours in total? So one of the things, and we looked at this last week, is he helps us in prayer. He helps us to pray. And maybe you believe it's a good thing to pray. Amen. Okay. Now let me remind you, a lot of the things that you're fussing and, and fretting about, what you really need to do is pray about it. I'll catch myself. I catch myself a lot of times. And I'm thinking, I'm worrying about something. And I realize I have not prayed. And I'll sense the Holy Spirit on the inside. And it's not that I don't pray. I pray. I have a, and I, and I don't mean this in any kind of braggadocious way at all. I have a very disciplined and very developed prayer life. But still, you'll find yourself, uh, it's like, wow, that's bothered me. And then the scripture will come to mind, which is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, is to remind you of scripture. And so you do not have because you do not ask. It's like bingo. And so you can ask and put it in the hands of, of a mighty God. So one of the things that he helps us to do is to pray. Now, this includes praying 
N E N. Okay, the Greek word is is N, and it means in, with, or by. In, with, or by. So the scripture talks about praying. Scripture does. Okay? I didn't make this up. Some guy on TV didn't come up with this. It talks about praying N, E N, in, with, or by the Holy Spirit. And it is distinguished from other praying. Ephesians even talks about that there's all manner of prayer. And there's different types of prayer. There's supplication. There's petition. There's praise. Uh, we can go on. There's thanksgiving. There's a lot of different forms of, of prayer. And one avenue of prayer is praying in, in, with, or by the Holy Spirit. Now, this includes, and here's some of the terminology, spiritual language, prayer language. Well, here's the one that raises the most fur. Tongues. Go ahead and so you'll so you'll relax a little bit. Go ahead and say tongues. Yeah, it seems like the two big words that bristle people is tithes and tongues. You know? So and they're both good for you. Okay. So if you don't like tongues, I'll explain it here in just a moment. If you don't like that terminology, then I prefer to use my prayer language. That's, that's the way that I talk. And, and also since we're on terminology, I rarely, if ever, unless I'm just reading somebody else's stuff, will ever refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Now, King James calls him Holy Ghost. Uh, there's really nothing in scripture that makes him a ghost and ghost has such a ethereal, weird connotation And we can understand a little bit better because of the balance of our doctrine and theology. We can understand a little bit better Holy Spirit. And uh, it seems to me that most people say Holy Ghost have to change how they talk when they get to ghost. And the Holy Ghost. You know, something happens there. So, and it gives the wrong kind of thing. All right. For some reason, the one that Jesus introduced as the comforter, there's been a lot of discomfort about. And I believe it's for a number of reasons. There's controversy and confusion, but yeah, there's great benefit, great blessing when we put things in the light and in the right context of Scripture. Um, part of the problem with discomfort, and controversy, and confusion has been a number of things. Either no teaching, or wrong teaching, or little teaching. Did you know that we're supposed to have teaching? We're supposed to. That helps us with it. Some people don't want any teaching. They just want to have a free-for-all. And uh, you're, going to end up, you're going to end up in a mess with that. Plus, you, you're ignoring God's guidebook for us when we do that. So, part of the problem is little, no, or wrong teaching and or clarification on some things. And we're going to clarify some things tonight that I think will help you feel even more and more relaxed. Let me share with you, too, that a service must have... It must have scriptural integrity. When we gather together, a service must have, and there are guidelines very clear in the scripture, there has to be some scriptural integrity. There has to be some decency. There has to be some order. And Paul is very, very strong about that. He's exasperated with the Corinthians. And and so he he riddles his teaching on the gifts and and manifestations of the Spirit with, do this in order, uh, no confusion, but peace, 
God is a God of order, not of confusion. I mean, he all the way through, he does that. And then several times he goes, I, I wish you all would grow up because they're emphasizing things, pushing things to a wrong emphasis. So what we get is both correction and instruction out of 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. And we're going to gather some things tonight out of 1 Corinthians 14. The primary concern uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 regarding the Holy Spirit is edification. Everybody say edification. That's the primary concern. Paul is concerned that the group, that the whole people, when we gather together, that they be edified. And that means to be built up and strengthened and helped. And so he said, if it's going to be something that does not edify the, the whole group, and he is sensitive. You know, sometimes this term seeker sensitive has gotten a bad rap. But if you really read scripture and you, you'll see that even Jesus and certainly Paul was very concerned and sensitive about those that were not yet believers or those that were not yet informed. There was some sensitivity toward that. And there has to be because the goal is not to push people away and say, well, we do this. Whatever. The, the goal is, is that all would be built up, that all would be edified. If you're with me thus far, just give me something, a sign, some sign of life. Okay. Now, when we talk about our spiritual language, prayer language, tongues, there are two different uses or functions for tongues. And we bumped into this a little bit last week. And I think the distinction has to be made. This is where most of the confusion comes. The word, the Greek word is glossa. And so think of glossary. Uh, glossa is, is the root word here. And it is a language that is not naturally acquired. A language that is not naturally acquired. So if it's a language that is not naturally acquired, then it is a gift. Okay? Y'all here? Is the coffee shop open? Yeah. It's going to have to go for everybody here. Um, it is a gift. Now, there are two words referencing this in the New Testament that we find for gift. And the first one is chara in the Greek. And it also has to do with uh, charisma. So it's actually kara or charisma. And it means gifts. And this has to do with public gifts. It's for public exhortation. It's referenced that. The other word is doria, doria. And that is more for personal edification. So you've got one set of tongues that is for public. And we'll talk about that later. Okay. Our emphasis tonight is on this personal and private, um, your prayer language. That is a gift. It is glossa, which is and it's, it's a language that you did not acquire naturally. It's something that came to you, a gift. And, and please understand this. It's a supernatural thing. Okay. Y'all, y'all need to speed up a little bit here tonight here. Now, our focus again tonight is on personal, devotional, spiritual language. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 30, I'm just going to quote from it real quick. Paul asks this question. He says, do all speak with tongues? Do all speak with tongues? The answer is no. And the reason the answer is no right there is because if you look at the context, it's in other public gifts, other public gifts. He's talking about prophecy and he's talking about a, a number of other public gifts that would be used in a public setting. And he said, so does everybody do this? Does everybody do this? Does everybody do this? Does everybody do this? It's rhetorical. And the answer is no. 
No. And then you go over to 1 Corinthians 14, 5, and Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So what is the deal, Paul? Which, which way is it? Because he's giving guidelines that no, actually, not everyone is supposed to do all of these things. And yet it goes over and he says, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. And what he's talking about there, first place, he's talking about public gifts. Okay. And then secondly, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. Could I just quote Paul tonight? I wish that you all spoke with tongues. And it's this. I wish that you all had a personal, private, devotional prayer language. That's what he's talking about there. So there's some clarification. Those two must be distinguished from each other. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. It says, For he who speaks in a tongue. See, it's in the Bible, folks. Okay? So everybody relax and just say, I love the Bible. Go ahead and say All right. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. In the Message Bible, if you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. So let's look at this a little bit. When you or I would speak in a tongue, we speak to who? We speak to God. That's kind of cool. Now, we speak to God, no one understands it except God. And that's why when your personal private prayer language is not for a public setting or sitting around the lunch table at work with your eight coworkers and they're looking at you and you're... Because the goal, again, the primary concern is edification, not confusion. Not some kind of warped spiritual pride. See what I can do. It's a gift. And it's to be kept in the right place. And in this, you speak to God. And I love what the Message Bible brings out. Sharing intimacies just between you and God. So no one understands that except God. So when you or I would pray or speak in other tongues, prayer language, we're speaking to God. We're speaking to God. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, uh, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Let me read it from the Amplified. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit helps me pray. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. So here he says that if you pray in a tongue, you have your prayer language, then... What part of you prays? Your spirit, your spirit, not your mind, but your spirit. And he says this, now get this, my spirit, and you know that you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So let's just for diagram purposes, somewhere in here, because it's referred to as your heart and sometimes your belly. This is probably the chamber, if there's such a thing, that the Holy Spirit lives in here. And there are times where I've sensed things by the Holy Spirit, either great peace or a check or whatever. And I don't know, it's not a physical thing that I feel, but I kind of sense it right here. So I can, and I did a a series a while back when we delved into this a little bit called Heart of the Matter. But we, or Matters of the Heart. Something. (laughs) It's been a couple years. But he dwells in here. The Holy Spirit dwells with my spirit. And so when I pray in the spirit, 
I pray or speak to God and the part of me that is doing that is not my body and it's not my soul or my mind. It is my spirit and the Holy Spirit who lives in me, who knows how to pray, who knows how to pray what I don't know how to pray, who knows the will of God and prays according to the will of God for it. My spirit by the Holy Spirit in me prays and speaks to God, but my understanding, my mind doesn't get it. So if you know that ahead of time, if you understand that you're not going to understand, then you understand (laughs) and you can just relax and understand that. Really, I'm not trying to play with that. I'm trying to help you understand. And then in verse 18 and 19, Paul said, you know, I pray and I pray in the spirit more than any of you, Paul says. And he said, I wish that you all did, but then get this. And he makes a distinguishing mark right here. Yet in the church, everybody say yet in the church, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words, just five rather than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. I would rather pay, play, uh, pray or speak Five words so that people could understand. Why? Because the central point is edification. And he said, plus, if they come in and you're doing that, and this is where, and I've got to get back on track with where I'm headed tonight here. Um, If someone comes in and we're not doing things in order, the Bible says that if you're praying in the spirit, like that. He said, no, it'd be better that you had five words with the understanding so that you can help people. And so that they don't think that you're nuts and said, so if you're in a place and you're not sure if they're informed or believers, then you don't do this. Well, I can't help it. That's not so because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Okay. Now there is, and this is not my point tonight. There is a public use of gift of tongues, but it is incomplete without an interpretation. And we're going to be talking about that later. We're going to be talking about that later. The interpretation is vital because now it would give understanding. It would give understanding. And without that, there's no understanding. So there is a difference between the public exhortation. That's not our point tonight. Okay. So nobody rush me on that. Main thing is I'm trying to help you your 168 hours a week. That we have this personal, private, powerful, incredibly, incredible blessing of this prayer language. And get this, where I could, I'm speaking to God, not to man, not to myself, not to anybody else. How many of you have ever been praying with some other people before? And you find yourself, if you're really honest, you're praying in certain words. I'm talking about praying in English here. You're praying for the benefit of those that are with you. Come on. And you're kind of wording things in a certain way and this and that, you know, and it's confusing times sometimes I honestly do much better in prayer all by myself. I really do. But then I even have problems with me. So it's better. And this is a, a benefit to our prayer life that I can pray. My spirit is praying and it passes my understanding. I don't know what that was. But I don't need to know what that was. Okay. And my spirit by the Holy Spirit in me prays. Now, I hope I've helped and not hurt there. My emphasis 
Tonight is that private, personal, devotional prayer life. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. You still with me? A few more minutes, important ground we're going to cover here. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Or one translation said, what should I do? It says, I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I'm going to do both. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. So you do both. Now, when you pray in the spirit, again, it's your spirit, not your mind praying. It's the Holy Spirit helping you. And let me point this out. And it is volitional. There's no need to wait for some kind of feeling. You don't lose control. You don't weird out. You don't have some kind of holy seizure. (laughs) And I'll show you this a little bit further in just a moment that you do this. You don't have to wait on some, some special, whatever. Now I'm only going to touch this just for a moment. Is there a, a, a second event? Is there a subsequent experience to salvation? I think so. I believe that scripture shows so. But I'm not going to argue with anybody over that because I want everybody to be clear on this. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the inside. of you. And then Ephesians 5.18 says to every believer, be filled with the Spirit. And then the way, the way that's phrased in the Greek, it's keep being filled, keep being filled, keep being filled. So I know there's something subsequent to salvation. So if it's one time I keep being filled or two times or 11,017 times I get filled, I should keep being filled. I should, I should stay full of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, it's not that there's any problem with him, but I have to keep being filled. And at least in one of those fillings, why don't you go ahead and ask him, Lord, part of this filling would include that you would bless me with this wonderful gift of the prayer language. Now, let me go to where I'm going here tonight. One of the benefits of praying in the spirit is, and I've already said this word several times tonight, edification, edification. Everybody say edification. And I'm talking about edification of you. Now, bear with me just a couple minutes here. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four here, here, do something. Show me some, some shine of life, sign of life. All right. All right. Good, good. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse four, it says this, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, edifies himself in Jude 20 and 21. There's only one chapter. It says, but you, everybody say that's me, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So there's edification that takes place. Let me illustrate for you real quick. In Egypt, the largest city in Egypt is called Cairo. And Cairo is a huge population center. Don't think that we're the most modern folks in the world. Okay. There's some other cities you could go in this world and you go, oh my goodness. And it's amazing. And Cairo has become a ultra modern city. It's a business center. It's a huge population center. And it is lush, 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 and very rich in agriculture. Just to the west of Cairo is the Sahara Desert. And it is scorching sand. It is dry barrenness everywhere. And so you literally can walk to the edge, so to speak, of lush greenness 
And then it just starts to fade away. And then you're out in solid desert, scorching, blistering, heat, sand. What is the difference? What is the difference? What is the difference? The difference is a river. The difference is a river. And there's the Nile River. The Nile River is, and that's what Cairo is built around. It's just right there. And that river makes the difference. Now, now go ahead and, and say, the river, the river makes the difference. Okay. Now, I, uh, let, me, let me read you some scripture here. John 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out. Stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow. Help me rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. So there are rivers, plural. And one of the rivers, I believe, so to speak, figurative, of the Holy Spirit in our life is that out of our heart, because he dwells on the inside of us, one of the benefits is there is a flow of the Holy Spirit that waters you, that edifies you, and makes the difference between you being dry and barren and you being plush and full and prosperous and healthy in every way. And that is edification. Now, follow this. Uh, we, uh, we know that we're to build up other people. We're to encourage people, other people. We're to edify other people. But you also need to keep yourself edified and build up. Now, let me go over what edification is for you here just real quick. It is to build up, to restore, to repair, to strengthen, and to improve. Now, how many of you need build up sometimes? And how many of you sometimes nobody around you will build you up? And as a matter of fact, a lot of people around you, and it's not so much that they're trying. There's probably some people trying. But for the most part, nothing around us builds us up. That's another reason why church days affect the rest of your days. Because you need to get here and, and, and as you honor God and or with other believers and the message and so forth, that is to build you up. But you also have not a selfish thing to do, but a scriptural thing to do. You need to keep yourself built up. And the scripture said that when you pray or speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. And then it says also that praying in the spirit, you would build yourself up on your most holy faith. And we all need to be built up, restored, repaired, strengthened, and improved. Can anybody, can anybody testify to that? Now, let me point this out real quick. It is volitional, as I talked about earlier. Because both these scriptures point out to this. Who is it that speaks? Who is it that does it? You do. You do. In Jude 20, it says, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You do it. Again, it's not some kind of holy seizure. I got to wait till I get goosebumps or whatever. I've talked to so many people. I just haven't prayed in the Spirit in a long time because I didn't get that feeling. Listen to me. You don't have to create some kind of special atmosphere and crank up the organ and, you know, do, and do all kinds of stuff to, to get you you can be at the at your very worst and emotionally low. And you, because the Holy Spirit is with you and in you and always with you, you, by the Holy Spirit in you, can start to allow that to flow. Now, you have to give voice. You have to give the instrument. It's you speaking. And 1 Corinthians 14 says, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will, I will pray in the Spirit. 
You will. You, you do it. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, it's not playing with it. It's just always there. The river is always there. And I can at any point. You know, some of you are like, do it. No. It's private. It's personal. But at any point, I tell you what, there's been times in services. I just thought, you know, Lord, I, I don't have all I need right now. Maybe I'm, I'm just kind of run down a little bit or whatever. And, and during praise and worship, I can just pray in the spirit. And I don't, and I don't make a big deal about it. You know, it's like, look at me. I don't think I know how to take a shower or drive somewhere by myself without praying in the spirit. And I don't have to wait till I have some kind of goosebumps or whatever you and please hear this. You can do this. Scripture points us out and experience. I know from experience that you can. And, you, and, and what if we could only pray in the spirit when we had some kind of super exuberant high? You know what? I needed a whole lot. More at a whole lot, a whole bunch of other times. All right, let me just go over this. Praying in the spirit, you edify yourself. And let's, let me just go over this. First of all, for weariness. And maybe you came in here tonight a little weary. You can get weary mentally, emotionally, physically. You can kind of get run down. You can get run down spiritually. Um, I don't know if I was sharing this in a service or in a staff meeting or somewhere I was speaking just, just recently, but I, I think it was with you guys. We used to do four Sunday morning services and then a Sunday night and then Wednesday night. And, and then I was traveling too. And I don't know how I did that except the grace of God. And I was a lot younger, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what. There were some times that it was just like, I, I couldn't talk hardly. I couldn't think. I couldn't feel sometimes. That's a dangerous spot to get. And I learned some things. And part of it was focus in and prioritize and the great value of this. And, and life is in seasons. And sometimes some of those seasons, you, they, you're just going to have to push. You're just going to have to work. You're just going to have to... You're just going to have to walk all the way through this thing. And as you do, you're going to have to keep yourself edified and build up. And this is one of the ways to do it. Another, another reason for edification is a difficult situation. If you're, if you're going through one or you just went through one or you got one pending, you know what? That's a great time to get edified. Or is everything just swell with you guys all the time? Okay. Okay. And so, you know, that happens and maybe you've got something weighing on you now or something that's coming up and you're not sure how that's going to turn out. You know what? A wonderful thing to do is pray in the spirit. And I'll tell you, it will build you up on the inside. Another thing is this, and I wish I had more time on this, but spiritual warfare, spiritual harassment, and listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We're not talking about warring tongues because it's not even, that is not scriptural balance at all because when you speak in tongues you speak to god you don't yell at the devil you don't have any scripture for that and so i go to god okay but when you're feeling spiritually 
uh, spiritual warfare, harassment. Sometimes it's like nothing's going together here. Why is this not happening? And there's things you can do in the known and in the unknown concerning that. And then here's a very important thing. Temptation. How many of you have ever been tempted since high school? Okay. During times of temptation. And then also when you're needing wisdom or direction or making a decision. That there's times that you can just get alone. Jack Hayford uses this phrase, daily talks. Daily talks. Part of the purpose and the entire ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring us back to a place of fellowship with God like we had in the garden. And one of the things they would do is in the cool of the day, man would walk with God and God would walk with man and they would have a daily talk. And you need to carve out some time in your life and in your day. I believe you should pray throughout the day, you know, different times throughout the day. But you need to definitely every day have a time, a daily talk with God. And one of the things, one of the aspects of that would be to be praying in the spirit. Now, Paul quotes two different times concerning some things that actually references us back to Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. It says this, For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the refreshing, everybody's uh, rest. Everybody say, this is the rest. This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. And I believe it's prophetically pointing ahead to the fact that with stammering lips and with other tongues, this is the rest. This is the refreshing. This is the river. And if there was something, now just follow me on this and then I'm going to quit. Okay. For tonight. If there was something, forget, forget traditions, forget experiences that you've had, weird people you've known, things you've seen on TV, forget it all. And if you knew that out of the Bible, there was the Holy Spirit who would come and live within you. And he would give you something that you can't fully figure out with your head, but you'll accept it because you see it in Scripture. And that by faith that you knew that you could have a prayer language just between you and God. I, I think, I, I don't know if I shared this in staff or in here last, last week or maybe both. How many of you are awesome singers in the shower? How many of you are incredible dancers when you're by yourself? But then when other people around you are a little more timid, oh, say, can you, you know, but when you're by yourself, you're all over the place. Well, what if you knew you could pray in a wonderful way and speak to God from your spirit all by yourself? And one of the benefits of it, it would build you up and strengthen you and improve you and lift you up on the inside when you're weary, when you're going through stuff and you need some answers. How many of you think that would be a pretty good thing? I say, sign me up. And here's the reality. And I've said this before. Man with a, an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Especially when that experience lines up with the scripture. I want you to know that there's a wonderful personal gift from God through the Holy Spirit. And, and you can just ask. Now, I'm going to close the service in just a moment here. And uh, we're going to do like, kind of like we did last week. We had so many people come up and get information or to be prayed with or just to talk to somebody. And we're going to have some folks up here after service. But if you can go off by yourself, listen to me. I know friend after friend after friend and people after person after person that I've kind of coached them just a little bit. And then they went off by themselves and just got with God. And, and then they had their prayer language. 
Now, that's not the end all. There's so much more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. But this is such a vital, powerful thing. So you can just go by yourself and ask. Or another very effective way is to get with somebody and ask them some questions and let them just share a few things with you and or to get some literature. And we've got some information that we're glad to just give to you freely tonight as well. Whatever it would be, listen, this is too good to pass up on. I'm very sorry, very sorry that people and groups and so forth have pushed things where things should not have been pushed and have somehow turned us off, many of us off. I'm going to tell you, my life, there have been times in my life where I was so turned off and I thought, I don't even want to be associated with that, yet I see it in Scripture. And so what I want is for Meadowbrook Church and the people of Meadowbrook, I want us to walk in the purity of God's scripture, the balance of scripture, and to live the fullness of the Holy Spirit within us. And what a benefit praying in the spirit is for you. And again, it doesn't make you suddenly weird. The most spirit filled man ever to walk on this planet was Jesus Christ. And he was never given to weirdness. He didn't suddenly freak out or whatever. That that does not go with it. If people do that, that's not the Holy Spirit. And this is a wonderful, powerful, beautiful thing. And, and I'll tell you what, it will be such a blessing in your life. Ask him. Luke talks about this. Let me read this and then we'll pray and, and dismiss. Luke 11, it says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No. Or if he gives him a fish or asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, watch this, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And if you believe him, just ask him. And he, he wants to give that into your life. Amen? I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this? <laughs>